What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Legendary investor Paul Tudor Jones. Grade the economy. It's just great, I think. The Tudor Investments founder on his big ideas. I think the productivity gains that are projected to come from AI will probably double the typical 1.5% annual increase in productivity to maybe 3%. And he founded Just Capital to prove that doing good and doing well can go hand in hand. This year's number one, HPE, CEO Antonio Neri on why being just pays off. Our people are our greatest assets, and ultimately they are the one that deliver the value to our shareholders. And a bipartisan border deal and aid package on the floor in the Senate. It's long awaited and not a done deal. Democrat Mark Warner of Virginia. This border deal, you got the BRT, you got the Chamber, you got NAM, you've got all the business groups that you guys talk about here every day. They're all for it. Let's do it. Plus, more work on the line for Boeing. And speaking of planes, don't worry, four-time Best Album Grammy winner Taylor Swift has a ride ready for her post-show trip to the Super Bowl. If you had bought tickets for this concert in Tokyo, is there any part of you that's feeling like, you're not going to get an encore? It's Monday, February 5th, 2024. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Boeing uh, said yesterday, this is a, it's not 2.0, 3.0, I don't know what this is for Boeing. It's got more work to do. More work to do on about 50 uh, undelivered, in this case, 737 MAX airplanes, uh, potentially delaying some near-term deliveries. It said its supplier, the same one we've been talking about, Spirit Aerosystems, discovered two misdrilled holes on some fuselages. Boeing said that there are no immediate flight safety issues, but it believes it's going to have to uh, perform some rework, as it's known, on the potentially incorrect positioning of two uh, holes on a window frame assembly. A spokesperson uh, said a team member at Spirit identified the issue and flagged it uh, to his manager. And, uh, you know, we've been flying all over the place, uh, obviously, and there there are some challenges for the airlines because of grounded fleets. There just are. And it causes a lot of maintenance issues And I don't, you know, I'm not connecting maintenance issues to safety issues because I think these guys really do, the guys and gals, the airlines are, that is paramount. No one wants anything to happen. But it still doesn't change it that if your plane has something hanging off of it, and I'm talking about from from experience that that this can happen, it has something hanging off the nose. And you see guys, you know, you deplane, you're watching what they're trying to do. And they're like, oh, the maintenance people, and then they say, you know, we're going to get you a new plane. You don't just bring one over from next door. 
It's got to fly in from somewhere. So you're talking, you know, two, three, four, five-hour delays. And then there might, that plane might come. And that plane might have a maintenance issue. And then you're waiting another. And those are the kind of what things that have been happening. percent of their fleet grounded. Yeah, they had it by, grounded. By and when you try to bring it back. Trying to replace it, there's not the backups to replace it. I'm waiting to see whether so. United buys some Airbus planes. Has he made a decision on that? No, it's threatening, but. Right. Been talking to them. But even if they do, they're not going to get those new planes tomorrow. No. These are, no, these that are things that would be five that years from now. For, right. It, it, but they've never about. done it before. I mean, that, that's a right. water. And it's not good. It's also a big issue with, the, with their pilots because their pilots be, are trained on the Boeing planes. Right. So it, retraining, your, retraining your pilots be to be good on if a Boeing different would, plane would, is like it's, like it's like different universes. It'd be good if Boeing, doesn't Calhoun, didn't he do some Six Sigma stuff? At GE, wasn't he trained in Six Sigma? Did he just say, ah, that, Look, I think part six. of it is the idea that they spun off Spirit Airlines to begin with 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was, because they don't have control over some of the maintenance issues that are happening there and some of the, or some of the oversight issues. Uh. Or it, if you're talking about drilling holes in the fuselage, how do you repair that? Some repair work? We're, we're going to plug the holes with Epoxy. something like the... Right. Spackle. <laughs> Duct tape. Um, I'm sure it's not that, but were it's you, not. When you joined CNBC, were yeah. we still GE? Yeah. We For a time, we had the, the whole Six Sigma regimen here at Med. <laughs> You're supposed to be able to make one mistake out of like six million like attempts. So we probably aren't, aren't hitting those numbers uh, exactly anywhere, but um, Boeing's not either at this point. It, 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 that, that was a difficult, and there were Six Sigma managers, and they'd come around and they'd look at, remember, do you remember all that stuff? You don't remember it as well. I was during the Welch days. I don't days. remember it in the, I Welch remember was, it a little and there bit, were, there were officers, usually. there were Six Sigma officers that came in and they were, you know, like you had, but that was, if you didn't perform, you were, and you were in the bottom 10% of the Six Sigma stuff, you got fired yeah. by General Electric. Those are the, I don't know if any of that happens anymore, anywhere. It's not happening at Boeing, that's for sure. Stay forever. No way. It's Super Bowl week? Already. It's here. Oh, my God. Uh, both have you teams. Have been on your DraftKings app this oh, week? Oh, I have. I, I'm, I'm good. New highs. Uh, both teams, uh, the 49ers and the Chiefs, arrived yesterday in Las Vegas ahead of Sunday's championship game. And for those fans concerned that Taylor Swift might not be able to make it uh, to the game. She uh, Jap- can. Uh, if she leaves it, I've... We were so figuring out for her to get leaves there. at midnight. She can get there Saturday night. If her plane, you know, takes off on time and it <laughs> doesn't need a bunch of maintenance issues that for you. I, you think she's the private? The Japanese embassy is even weighing in on this. The Jap- uh, Japan's embassy in Washington putting out a statement saying Swift should have no problem making it to the Super Bowl before the kickoff. I thought she was going to be a half hour late. If she departs Tokyo right after uh, her concert, she uh, can make it. No problemo. And it's kind of, it is kind of cool because, you know, none of us want to disappoint our, our wives or, or, or husbands, our, our partners, right. right? Right. They're not married or anything, but people really, you know, the haters really want to blame any chief's loss on a jinx, like a Taylor jinx or something. So Travis Kelsey knows that. And he's a manly man. He is a, the stud of, of all studs, from the University of Cincinnati and everything else. But So he wants to make sure he doesn't let that happen right. to this person he cares about. So he's playing better than he's ever played, right? So I have a different question. Later in the if, season, he got better. If you had bought yeah. tickets for 
the concert, this concert of, uh, in Tokyo. Yeah. Is there any part of you that's feeling like you're not you getting an encore? Well, you're not getting an encore, <laughs> and that the entire time is she going to be in? It's it's like part of your mind share. You're thinking, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I, I, Don't I, let me be late. I, I, I got to make the. Andrew. I got to make the clock. I, I will say, I watched the you're Grammys s- last night. Guess who was not there? Travis. Yeah. yeah. You know who? Um, the- you know who? Um, in, in L.A., they had some rain. She did a, a concert. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. She she in all, goes rain all out. like that. Well, I know she goes all and out. tells everybody else. Uh, uh, says you're going to remember this for the rest of your lives and inspires people. And the piano like is like water. I know. I know. I'm just no. It, I this would, is going to be on the minds, by the way, of pe- of the concert goers themselves. Right. They're going to be sitting there going, "Is she going to make no, the no, plane? No, 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 no. You don't get. You don't. She. I don't think she understands even the concept of mailing something in. I don't. Yeah, care. I think. I think you're right with that. I've got my own problems with certain things about that whole situation. But in terms of that, she's the ultimate professional yeah. of, of all time and, and never. She takes so much pride in what you no, And she does she love does. the I adulation. Just, just, she does love the adulation. Have you been to one of her concerts? Speaking of Taylor Swift, her album Midnight oh, yeah. won a Grammy last Big night last for Best night. Pop Vocal Artist. She is the first artist to win Best Album of the Year four times. In her acceptance speech, she announced her next studio album, The Tortured Poets Department, which she says will be released on April 19th. Didn't take an opportunity, to, didn't waste the opportunity to make sure she got word out to the fans as well. But I, I was a little surprised that Travis Kelsey wasn't there. Everybody was like, oh, she's, of course, he's at the Super Bowl. He's got to be prepping for that. But I don't think he was allowed. Yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah. It was part of the team issues is what I was told. Yeah. But she made it to a lot of games this year. I know, but come on. I wouldn't. Support your wife? No, I would. The, Grammy, the Grammys, to me, honestly, I've said this before, everybody's going to win one because it's an industry. And everybody's a Grammy award. And, and it's like everybody's in sort of in cahoots the way it's all done. I don't think it's like a real Do so you awards. think the Grammys are not? Do you, do you I don't. think the Oscars are different? There's a lot of po- political things that go into the Oscars as well. I hear, like, my son's an expert on this. I, I would give it to Killian Murphy for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, from Peaky Blinders, my son says it's going to be Paul Giamatti because he got screwed last time right. for Sideways. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a lifetime award that they feel it. So does that, re- I mean, do you really, did you see Holdovers? There's no way that, that his performance in Holdovers is better than Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer's. It's just not. But... He deserves it for his body of work. Well, let's, see, from, let's see how the winners come out. Well, I've, can, I've been told that it. that's the way it's going to happen. That's what you, you've been told? <laughs> My by, son gets them all right. Son. He gets them all right. Cheese will be next. Up next on Squawk Pod, the Senate's long-awaited deal on border security and global aid. Senator Mark Warner of Virginia on the bipartisan agreement, the tough crowd in the House, and what he's most worried about looking ahead. We're 10 months away from election. And I think we are less prepared in terms of disinformation, misinformation, cyber attack in 2024 than we were in 2020. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Did you hear that? 
That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. I'm producer Katie Kramer. Senators are finally out with the details of a $118 billion bipartisan global aid package that also bolsters security at the southern U.S. border. It includes money for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, as well as funds to reinforce the border with Mexico and to shut it down completely when it's overwhelmed. President Biden says he supports the proposal, but House Speaker Mike Johnson responded to the deal with a post on X, formerly known as Twitter, that if the bill makes it to the House... It'll be dead on arrival. This all comes after a busy news weekend. The U.S. and the U.K. launched airstrikes in Iraq, Syria and Yemen, targeting Iran-linked militias and reportedly killing nearly 40 people. President Biden issued a statement Friday afternoon saying the strikes are in retaliation for an attack that killed three American troops in Jordan. Our Joe Kernan, Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin discussed all of this with a senator who swung by the studio this morning and they started with the border deal. Join us now, Democratic Senator Mark Warner uh, of Virginia. Is it a, Senator, welcome. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Joe. As always. Is it a foregone conclusion that, that once again, this is, sounds good, not, not going to happen? Well, first of all, let's look at the pieces of this. In this is what I've been fighting for literally for months on end, and that is aid to Ukraine. Is this country going to go ahead and honor its commitment? Or should no country in the world ever trust us again if we turn down the Ukrainians at this point, particularly after the Europeans stepped up with 50 billion euro just a week ago? On the border, uh, took a long time, but this is the most significant change in border policy in decades. It ends the whole program around check and, uh, catch and release. It ends up putting about 4,000 more CBP and ICE agents on the border. It increased checking for fentanyl coming into our country. And it makes changes to the parole policy. All the things that Donald Trump asked for in 2018, all the things my Republican friends asked for earlier in the year. The, the, uh, I guess the trope, the conservative trope, is that it, uh, the, the increased border agents are to process more people to let them in. Actually, now that it's out, you can actually read the bill and you can see that what it is, is it makes sure there is more processing so can, folks can actually get sent back the remarkable thing was about 95% of the people who were coming through on the asylum program got caught at the border, processed, released in for a couple years, and then that called catch and release. Now that is ended, but you're going to need more folks, you're going to need more beds at the border to send people back. I mean, you've seen the numbers, uh, obviously unacceptable, and, and you've seen the, those other numbers. Troubling. Yeah, the border's a mess. You've seen the other troubling numbers about, uh, I think, the president's 30 points underwater versus Donald Trump on, on how to handle uh, immigration. So every time the president looks into the camera and says, I've done all I could, no one believes that. No one believes that. And we know when he did, when he did come in a couple of years ago, he said, come on in, and sort of got rid of a lot of the, the things that Trump, Trump had instituted. Why not cop to that? Why? It, it just seems like if you, you can keep saying, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, I've done all I could. 
you got one guy, John Fetterman, who, who, who seems to acknowledge it. Are, will you break ranks and say this yeah, is the, the president's The border's a mess. The border's a mess. We all acknowledge that. So we can either carp about it or make the policy Could he changes. do executive, the couldn't he do some changes. executive decisions? Every that, Republican senator who is complaining about this deal has said repeatedly, you got to change the law. Donald Trump said, you got to change the law. We now are giving what is needed a significant change of the law. It took a long time to get it negotiated. Yep. Combined with stepping up for Ukraine, combined with stepping up for Israel and humanitarian aid in the region. And the question is going to be, folks who've asked for this, are they going to take the deal or are they going to say no? I think they're not going to take it. Take I know it might be because we it want might to be punt, Trump's fault. Because, because we might want to punt right. until for political It's an reasons. election issue. It is. Even it, but, in hypocrisy-ridden Washington, this is rich. It, 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 we, every day we talk about it. The hypocrisy, you could cut it with a knife well, on both thing, sides. Again, I this know. border deal, you got the BRT, you got the chamber, you got NAM, you've got all the business groups that you guys talk about here every day. They're all for it. Let's do it. Is there any, it, it, are there parts of your party where the actual, uh, the inclination is to open the border because we are missing, we, we are a million short on people that could, we could give jobs to. There's, it, I, the, the, the hearts are our party, and frankly, the business community as well, that says we need more high skill workers. Do they want to enable illegal, do they want to enable illegal immigration? Whether they're going to vote, these people become Democratic voters eventually. Is that, do you ever really believe that that's part of the, the rationale for, for the far left of your party? What the squad, for example. What I acknowledge straight up is the border's a mess. We can either complain about it or we can pass right. a law that would give completely new policies and the ability to right. shut it down. And the president said he would. But me, Senator, will you just shut down, either shut down or not this, this question? Because, look, there's the question that Joe's asking, this idea that somehow Democrats... I see people in, that have said that, uh, yeah. All sorts of people, uh, because they will effectively crowd out uh, the Republicans. I mean, that, that is a perspective. So I think you should eat... I'm, I'm not telling you what to do. I think you should either say, yes, that's the strategy, or no, that's not the strategy. <laughs> I have not heard a single Democratic elected official ever say, let's just open the borders and t come take all. It is not the policy. There's jobs of the waiting party. for. There's jobs waiting for a lot of people. It is not the party people, the premise of the Democratic okay. Party. There are business groups who've said that, but yeah. that's not the premise of the Democratic. How about how much we rat? Is the president have a carte blanche to deal with Iran the way he sees fit, or is he going to hear from? I think he's trying to thread this needle. You have got about a hundred strikes in Syria and Iraq. You've got fifty plus. Do we strike the in Iran? Even Donald Trump when he brought us all together back, I think 2018, 2019, he told the uh, senior leadership, the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, that he thought he was going to go ahead and strike Iran. He changed his mind because he thought that was not the right thing to put us into war. Right. He ended up saying he's going to take, as a president should, and pick his time and place. And it was six months later that he took out Soleimani, General Soleimani, the head of the Iranian Quds Force. He didn't take him out in Iran. He took him out in Iraq. And I think that was the prudent thing to do. I think it was the right thing to do. I was just in the region, in Saudi Arabia, in Jordan, in Israel. I didn't hear anyone say, the best thing we ought to do in this region at this moment in time is go into direct war with Iran. Hey, Senator, how, how does cyber security and cyber attacks, how does that change the geopolitical strengths and weaknesses? Because 
Militarily, there aren't a lot of places that can compete with us. When it comes to cyber attacks, though, when you have a nation state that's coming after our countries, after our companies, that puts things on a different Cyber plane. is really asymmetric. Um, it's one of the reasons why a couple years ago we put a bipartisan bill together that says if you've got a major cyber attack, you've got to at least tell the government, not so we can regulate you, so we can tell other folks in the private sector. And one of the things I'm most worried about right now, you know, we're 10 months away from election. And I think we are less prepared in terms of disinformation, misinformation, cyber attack in 2024 than we were in 2020. That's because you've got almost this perfect storm. You've got countries like Russia who would very much like to interfere in our elections so they could make sure we don't support Ukraine. You've got a number of election deniers uh, that have increased in our country. And you have a court ruling that has basically uh, restricted the ability of the government to even talk on a voluntary basis to social media companies. And then on top of all that, you add artificial intelligence, which can bring at scale and speed misinformation, disinformation, messing with our elections, and you got a perfect storm. You think there's any chance of, a, of, of someone besides these two candidates in any, in any scenario? You know, I would have thought that might have been the case a year ago. I'm not sure that's the case today. Larry Hogan, Joe Manchin, have you heard that one floating around? I've heard them all, Joe, but I don't know any de reasonable Democrat or Republican um, and I should say that with a lot of my Republican friends who've been thinking about this, that want to do anything that can actually help elect Donald Trump. And any third-party candidate to date that I've seen would actually add votes to Donald Trump. Do you think you'd be a good state for some professional sports teams? <laughs> I think we got a pretty good option with the Caps and the Wizards coming in. And that you're not going to, people aren't going to be mad at you in, in the district? Well, I got to tell you, as somebody who lives in Alexandria, First thing I got to make sure is my neighbors don't get mad at me about the increased traffic. So I want to see what kind of traffic plan <laughs> comes out first. I think it's exciting too. I I, I do. Um, all, all right. I'm not sure. You know, Washington. It, it's the seat of government. They don't. It's not a place for sports teams, is it? It, it hasn't worked out that well. Well, listen. Well, let's. This has got a few more chapters to be written before it comes about. But I've worked with the governor on this project and uh, just talked to him yesterday. The real governor, Terry McAuliffe, or the the other one. Listen, I work pretty well with Governor Youngkin. He and I have known <laughs> no. each other for decades. Uh, someone said that a couple weeks ago. It was bizarre. Senator, thanks. Thank you. And you still all my you favorites. Still, uh, all, all your, my all favorites your children. Right you don't all have my a favorite. favorite. I, I, I have four dogs. They're all my favorite. All my favorite. Next on Squawk Pod, investor Paul Tudor Jones on America's most just companies and their importance. How has wealth inequality historically been solved? Revolution, it's war or its taxes. And what the fund manager thinks of Elon Musk seeking more control of Tesla. Here's a guy who sees a thousand years in the future, right? Maybe one of the greatest geniuses of our time. The governance that he's proposing, at least initially, is kind of from a thousand years ago. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Give it to you. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Exco, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. You're listening to Squawk Pod. 
Up and Andrew, Q. Welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan on this Monday morning. Just Capital releasing its 2024 list of 100 most just companies in America this morning. CNBC is Just Capital's media partner and we have the exclusive launch of that list. Our Brandon Gomez is here, joins us uh, on set to discuss some of the key issues on the list. What do we have? Yeah, that's right, Angela. Look, we combed through the data and here's what we found. This year, Just Capital is once again recognizing companies that are doing right by five key stakeholder groups. Now that's workers, communities, shareholders and governance, customers, and the environment. And Just, uh, Just Capital collected over 230 raw data points around 20 key issues identified by the American public as priorities in conducting what they call just business behavior. Now this is key, across every demographic, regardless of political affiliation, race, gender, age, or income, Americans were united in wanting companies to prioritize workers the most. Key issues like paying a fair and living wage and to create jobs in the US. Now of the 937 companies in the Russell 1000, Micron, AMD, Elevance Health, and Cigna rounding out the top 10. Ecolab, I hold off on noting because this is the first time a company from the chemicals industry has been included in the top 10. But leading the pack again this year, heavy in tech and financials, Citigroup, Intel, Accenture among the top five. Most just companies. Bank of America, which ranked number one last year, number two this year. And for the first time after six years being in the top 100, America's most just company is HPE. Now that's because it's leading on environmental impact issues, providing apprenticeship programs for people with resume gaps, such as caregivers or formerly incarcerated individuals, and ensuring both women and people of color earn 100% of what similarly ranked peers earn. Now for the full list, you can go to cnbc.com slash just dash 100. Andrew. Okay. Uh, I have a, a bunch of questions, um, and we're going to be able to talk to Paul Tudor Jones and others a little bit later about yeah. this. But let me ask you, what sectors led the list? And, but before we even get there, just one, one just a metric question. Sure. Given the political shifts in the conversation we talked about, DEI and ESG and all these things, which really do factor into this, though they don't use those phrases specifically, did that change the list, do you think, this year? I think the core issue remains the same, right? What he was saying, it's about green. And so when you see these stock performance of these companies that are leading on these DEI issues, you can actually see that they're outpacing the broader mm -hmm. Russell 1000 equal weight. I think that obviously companies are trying to figure out how to sort of have this conversation and how to shift the way that they're having the conversation. But you're seeing in terms of market performance, the companies that are leading on these DEI right. issues are also still performing. What sectors the perform the best? Banks, a little bit of a pullback this year, I will say first, although it's because other sectors are catching up, not because they're doing worse. Semis, in fact, yeah leading now again just because of more disclosure. And um, in terms of how folks on a market-based uh, approach, sort of peer-to-peer, -peer, how, how did everybody line up? Um, so I mean, when you're looking at companies that are rising, it's yeah. the ones that, again, that, that key word, disclosure. Uh, oh. AI also a big issue this year uh, in terms of disclosure. Companies, most of them having their privacy policies within three clicks of their homepage, things like that. These, these issues remain the same. But again, for the, uh, the, another consecutive year, right. paying a fair and living wage remains the number what one a, issue. What about just the idea of your business practices at all? How do they measure that? I'm just looking through Cigna and claims denials charges with this new PXDX tool that they have where doctors look at uh, claims for 1.2 seconds and then deny them using this tool. Yeah, I mean, so they're, they're looking to at companies um, I mean, take Microsoft, for example, right? So you have a company where uh, that used to rank 
very highly. Um, and now because of a FTC fine in the last year, the company drops. So um, annually, the rankings are shifting based on business practices and, and, and how the companies are adjusting. But then also you have to look at when companies uh, acquire another company. Microsoft, a perfect example of that there. Activision Blizzard, when that conversation was happening, it actually dragged back the company because Activision didn't rank as highly on the Just 100 list. So those are adjustments that, that can be made throughout the year. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate it. Joining us right now in an exclusive interview is Paul Tudor Jones, Tudor Investment Founder and Chief Investment Officer. Paul is also the founder and chairman of Just Capital. And here at the table is Hewlett Packard Enterprises CEO, Antonio Neri. Uh, HPE is ranked number one at the tippy top of the list of the Just 100 this year. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Uh, Paul, I'm going I'm to go to you first to sort of just walk through, if you could, how the Just Capital list is different to the extent you think it is in 2024 relative to the prior years and, and the shifting sort of winds of what is important to folks. Well, first of all, congratulations to Antonio for him being number one, his company being number one in the rankings. And it's, I would say that this year, it's not a, a huge shift in terms of how the rankings played out. It's more of a glacial move. Clearly the number one issue for Americans, and it's doubled since 2010. The number one issues, according to Americans, is all work-related issues, and right at the top is, uh, and with 18% of our whole ranking, is pays a, pays a fair and living wage. So HPE, HPE, they just do well in every single category. Um, one that strikes me particularly is they have, in the entire Russell 1000, they have the most generous maternal and paternity leaves that there are. And I say that for me personally because this year as a newly minted grandfather, three of all three of my daughters, all three had grandchildren. So watching them hover over those babies for the better part of the first three to six months of their lives and watching their husbands have the ability to interact with those babies. It was not just a, a touching and a heartwarming moment, but I just realized what a huge edge it is for those kids in life. We know, I know, we all know how important early childhood is. I think most of the brain synapses are formed and their cognitive abilities by the time, by the time they're age uh, five. So yes, that to me, at least as far as HPA, HPE went, particularly struck right. uh, a beautiful spot because I, I just see it real time with my daughters and their husbands. Right. Antonio, let me ask you this. We are at a, a, a moment where there's been a lot of layoffs in the tech industry. A lot of folks even looked, I think, at what Meta did in terms of yep. really sort of um, culling things. And actually, by the way, maybe getting even some mojo as a result of that. People looked at what Elon Musk did with Twitter. And there is a real sort of sense of maybe being ruthless is being good. Yeah. Um, you are not that. And so I, I'm curious how you, how you juxtapose these two ideas right now. Yeah. Well, first of all, we are maniacal focus on driving operational efficiency and operating leverage for our shareholders. But at the end, I think about our people, our greatest assets, and ultimately they are the one that deliver the value to our shareholders. So first of all, I want to thank Paul and the Just Capital for this amazing recognition 
I know our 60,000 employees all over the world will, will celebrate this today. But ultimately, we are doubling down in our workforce. Um, as a CEO and an engineer, I always said we compete with the best people, the best talent, which obviously is very stiff out there to attract the talent, and the best technology. So for us, it's doubling down, reskilling, give people the opportunity to growth in their career, to learn, and you know, also implement new programs. In fact, I grew up as an apprentice in my life. Um, and so we believe in those type of programs to reskill and grow from there. So here's the question. If things got tight, Right. How would you think about getting tighter? Meaning, do you think that the benefits come off first, or do you think keep all the benefits and we're just going to have to remove people if, in fact, that's the case? And I wanted to actually get into a conversation about AI and how that may affect yeah. things more broadly. Well, but. you brought it up, Andrew. I think, you know, first of all, we are in a, we're living in an amazing time where this type of technology actually is going to help us be better at what we do so we can reinvest some of those benefits back into the workforce and obviously deliver more value for our shareholders. But generally speaking, we tend to focus on all the stuff that we can remove so that people can do the job better and then continue to improve our benefits and our capabilities by skilling people right. to this new reality. Hey, Paul, I'm, I'm curious about governance as you look uh, as somebody overseeing this, this just list. And uh, one of the big governance questions that's in the headlines is that of Elon Musk and whether uh, that board is independent uh, whether he's controllable, uh, Wall Street Journal reporting that he's on drugs, taking drugs with the board members. Uh, what, what do you think of this, if, if this is true? Well, I would say, uh, if, I'm, if I, my facts are right, I think two or three weeks ago, Elon said that he'd like to have 25% controlling interest of the company. I think he's at 13% right now, having sold down a bunch of his uh, a bunch of his holdings over the past couple of years, and I think it's a really really interesting and important um, watching how this actually unfolds is going to be I think very telling informative for the future of the country. If you say that, and really from two levels, the macro level and the micro level. Let's take the macro level first. I think one of the reasons why he wants twenty five percent of the company is because he's thinking I can bring my AI robotics, do I use Tesla as a delivery mechanism for that? And that's going to be uh, hugely important for the future of humanity. Clearly, it's going to be unbelievably productive in a fashion. We know right now that, I guess from a macro level, probably I think the productivity gains that are projected to come from AI will probably double the typical 1.5% annual increase in productivity to maybe 3%. And the big social question is, is how do we take those productivity gains and distribute them through society in a way that allows society to be stable and to grow? So in, in Musk's case, it's particularly intriguing because um, here's the richest guy in the world who's saying, uh, the way that I see AI robotics and the productivity gain that we can garner within Tesla is going to be possibly, and again, we don't know because all it was was from a tweet, possibly by him incro in increasing his own financial stake. And, and I don't think that this is like a hot dog eating contest where uh, the rich necessarily win by getting that much richer. Um, I don't know. I, I know 74% of Americans 
or I think it's actually 83% of Americans think that CEOs already get paid too much. So I don't know how well that's going to play on Main Street. But more importantly, the big issues facing America going forward are going to be, one, again, productivity, the job displacement, estimated to be tens of millions of jobs between now and 2030, as well as how we deal with the big debt bomb that we've got coming for us. So just with, again, going back to this particular case, wouldn't it be interesting? Uh, he wants 25% of the company. Again, it was, a, it, was a, it was a cryptic tweet. But let's assume that he wants more of the company for doing AI robotics. As a hedge fund manager who earns 25%, far be it from me um, right. to throw stones at him for that. But think of this. Here's a guy who sees a thousand years in the future, right? Uh, Maybe one of the greatest geniuses of our time. Um, And yet the governance that he's proposing, at least initially, is kind of from a thousand years ago, right? It's, it's, It's a feudalistic, almost vassalistic proposal in terms of sharing that wealth creation that's going to come from executing on productivity growth. So an alternative, and again, uh, an alternative for him would be, what about this idea? What about taking, because I I do think with the incredible genius that he's got, with that team of 140,000 employees, imagine what they can do for the rest of humanity. But instead of taking that extra, I guess it's something around 80, 80 billion dollars, something like that, rather than right. taking it just for himself. What if you, in, you start an employee stock ownership program for those 140,000 employees? What if he took Tesla, I think he has that already, doesn't he? You no, know, he has an employee stock purchase program, which is very different. I mean, it's it's I mean, an employee stock po- purchase program where you get to buy the stock at a 15 percent discount. Right. radically different than employee stock ownership plan. Imagine if you took that $80 billion that he thinks um, he can do it anywhere, but let's say he did it with Tesla, and he distributed that, uh, say, two-thirds or 75% of it among 140,000 employees. What you do then is you create 140,000 people who will wake up, eat, breathe, and think Tesla every morning, you're not distributing pie. Uh, you're actually. He says he wants to do it for a control factor because he wouldn't feel comfortable creating artificial intelligence if he didn't have some sort of voting control over it. So if he takes so, so shares again, and distributes I, them, he doesn't have control again. Yeah, and 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 I'm fine with that. I think it's the economic aspects of it that are important because we know we know that worker pay is the most important thing. Imagine the life changing event that would be. Right. I think it worked out to three hundred thousand dollars per employee. But Paul, in this in this capitalistic society, well, first of all, let me just go back. If you were the judge in the in the comp case, you would let him have the money, or you wouldn't let him have the money. Are you talking about the Delaware case? The, the Delaware case. Uh, I think the Delaware case is more about process than comp. What, what what my point to you is is that we have we are on the verge of massive social change because of AI. We have to think about a way to distribute it, excuse me, to grow it as well as to share in it in a way 
that is going to be for the best and the betterment of society. In U.S., we already have the greatest wealth inequality. It puts us right next to South Africa in the world. How has wealth inequality historically been solved? It's wealth, excuse me, it's revolution, it's war, or it's taxes. So if, if in this particular case, we have, a, we have a massive, we're going to have to find a trillion dollars in either government, government cuts and or taxes. And right. one of the ways that you will find those, one of the ways, certainly on the revenue enhancing side, somewhere down the road, right now the markets aren't focused on it, but it's going to happen. One of the ways that you'll do that is going to be through an increase in a possible implementation of a wealth tax. Counterintuitively, in, in this particular instance, if Musk actually were able to get that board of directors to talk him into uh, an extra $80 billion of compensation solely right. for himself, I think it would be exhibit number one at some point well, in the next four to six years, four to eight years, whenever uh, the progressive the progressives take over after some great recession at some right. point. It'd be well, exhibit number one well, for wealth tax. So counterintuitively, I think you'd actually end up losing more money than making more money if okay, it was well, him. Well, ho hopefully, hopefully Elon's uh, watching this and maybe he'll, he'll take your suggestion. I should say, by the way, uh, that he did take to Twitter and say that uh, he's never been tested positive for drugs, just for whatever that's worth. Um, can, I, I, can I just go back? Yeah. I, I do think just capital is all about markets. If you think about our two political parties right now, they do not have a vision for the future. It is why Americans are so disaffected with both of them at this point in time. The one thing that Americans do agree, and we see it in our polling and justness, right. excuse me, at Just Capital, is they, there's 100% agreement on a variety of corporate issues, on issues such as uh, worker pay, pays a fair and living wage. This is an opportunity, I think, for Mr. Musk to be truly, at least from where I sit, what he'll be remembered for most, to be a pathfinder in showing that the markets themselves can sort out the best way to keep society stable by making sure that all stakeholder, stakeholders, employees, customers, right. communities benefit from what these companies do and produce. He's got to get everybody to Mars before he gets that done. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me just ask you this, Antonio, just, uh, and I, I also want to get uh, Paul's take just on the economy and the markets and what we heard from uh, Jay Powell last night. But I wanted to ask you what you're seeing in terms of in the enterprise space. Yeah. Businesses spending capital right now or not? What's the what's the confidence factor? I think you know enterprises continue to focus on what is important to them from a technology perspective to advance productivity. Obviously, AI is at the top of that list right. to improve cybersecurity, to continue to digitize their enterprise, and to use data in a way that. But you see, so are you seeing people doubling down? You see, seeing people. No, I see more steady and markets in transition where priorities continue to shift. Obviously, there has been a period of large digestion in right. the last 18 months because of the supply chain challenges. But when I think about the biggest opportunities in the market today, definitely AI, cybersecurity, connectivity continue to right. be top of the list. Paul, I don't know if you saw 60 Minutes last night with Jay Powell. Do you have a, a take on, on what the Fed's doing right now, whether we're uh, going to have a soft landing here or whether something else is going to happen as the year progresses? Well, you know, I, I, look, I, to me, there are two huge themes going forward. I don't know whether they'll manifest themselves this year. I kind of think one of them will. 
Um, but a lot, the, the two big macro themes going forward are going to be um, the debt bomb that we have in the United States, the, the, the fiscal recklessness and how we ultimately reconcile that versus uh, the productivity gains that, that we're going to get from AI, which should be stunning and stupendous over the next few years. So those are the two, that, that's kind of a Ceylon Karibdi. Those are the two forces clashing, clashing with each other. Um, and I look at Fed policy right now as being cyclical rather than secular. Cyclical in the sense that we're looking at the current economic metrics, growth versus inflation, uh, growth and inflation, where I think there's there's, there are larger issues that we're going to be focusing on somewhere down the road. And it's going to be around how do we stop and close the fiscal deficits that we right. have, as well as, again, how do we use AI to benefit all Americans, not just the five or 10,000 extraordinarily brilliant people who are going to change our lives with it? Final question for you, Paul. Grade the economy. God, it's just great, I think. I mean, I think it's I think it's strong, but again, I think if you why shouldn't it be? We've got a we've got a six seven percent budget deficit. We're fast forwarding consumption like crazy. It should be going bankbusters because we've got uh, an economy on steroids and it's and it's unsustainable. As Jay Powell said in his interview, his very smooth interview, it's we're on an unsustainable path and we're going to have we're going to have to stop it. Uh, and the only question is, is does that manifest itself in the markets when or when does that manifest itself in those markets? It could be this year. It could be next year. Productivity may mask and it might be three or four years from now. But clearly, clearly we're on an unsustainable path. OK, uh, Paul, we need to thank you. Antonio, I want to thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. The top of the list. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations, Antonio. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, guys. My daughters uh, all want to work for you. <laughs> That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for starting your week with us. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow this podcast, follow Squawk Pod, to get the best of our show and listen anytime. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. Ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.